You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 342. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hallo! Hey, San, hey, San! We are already in Vienna, as you hear this, if you hear <laughs> yeah. it on the day it comes out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I can assure you, we will are having, I don't know what, what <laughs> the right tense of the verb is, but we're having a great time. The schnitzel is perfect and the strudel is crisp. Ooh, crisp I, I don't know. strudel. Crisp. The strudel is crisp. <laughs> is apfelstrudel supposed to be crisp? <laughs> I think some parts of it, so other parts should be juicy. <laughs> We will find out. So, uh, But I, w I would like to, to take the opportunity to thank all our wonderful patrons for helping us to do this. Yes. Because we, we don't get paid anything to do this show uh, at all. So it's all done in our spare time. But we do let the show pay for our trips to go to the ESC and QED this year. And, and it's not so anything fancy. It's just the basic travel expenses. And it's all paid for, actually, by the patrons. And we yeah. love them for it. So thank you thank very you. much. Thank uh, We couldn't do it without you. Just like, that's no. what it is. <laughs> no, it literally is true that we had to turn every coin. What did you say? You, um, well, we had to really <laughs> <laughs> make a budget for this one. Yes. And the patrons <laughs> came through. So that that's very good. Very good. Thank you a lot. So if you want to be a patron, I mean, for future adventures, you could go to patreon.com slash the ESP and sign up to pledge a dollar or two per episode and you can also set a, a cap for a month if you want to just pay us one dollar a month that is also quite fine and we we will appreciate that and if you are there at any of the the events that we are attending in the coming weeks and months actually yeah. please come up to us and please please say hello we would love to get to know you and uh, who knows there is um, also an opportunity for us to buy you a beer not necessarily using your money uh, <laughs> but <laughs> no that will be on us <laughs> yeah however we do have a standing we do offer yes Which goes, uh, remind me, how did it that was, go? If, if someone can approach us at all three events, and that is ESC, yeah, yeah. QED, and in Australia, <laughs> then uh, then we give them a beer or a beverage of their choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's not a very generous offer, actually. <laughs> so, it won't pay off, but if you can do it, we're at it. So, and I, I want to say also, I have um, gotten to know people over the years and... Uh, Very often they say, well, I saw you at the last QED, but I was a little bit shy. I didn't want to go up. And, and then we get to know each other a couple of years later. And so yeah. my message is do come up and harass us as yes. much as you want Don't be to be, shy. actually enjoy it. Be like me. Don't be shy. We enjoy it. And we always <laughs> I always are... harass these guys before, before yeah, yeah. I was on the show. Yeah, yeah. So. that's how you got on the show. <laughs> yeah, wasn't exactly. It, It's not uh, necessarily saying that uh, you will be on the show if you come up. That's to not a guarantee, no. 
But we are people like you, and I don't even understand how anyone could see us otherwise. I mean, yes, we are doing this week by week, and we have those kinds of feelings when we approach others as well. Like, I, I remember our first time that we met the SGU team. Mm-hmm. It was quite an experience, but I wouldn't dare compare ourselves to the SGU team or Richard Saunders or any of the big names. We are just a couple of guys doing this week by week and we love to meet other people like-minded skeptics have a lovely chat that's how we do this in the skeptical community this is one of the reasons why i praise the skeptical community a lot a lot of people who are outside of this community do not know how friendly these people can be that's right and and all the people you mentioned they are actually the same if you want to approach them they are always exactly they always take the time and uh if they don't have the time, they very politely say, well, I'd love to talk, but right now I have to do this, but maybe we can meet in the bar later. Yeah, Of course. And, and at, at events like QED, there are actual stars there sometimes. So people who are celebrities as well. So it's it's an interesting thing, but still the environment, the, the atmosphere is like that. It's all about that kind of approach. Um, oh, speaking of uh, becoming big names. Um, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. <laughs> what have you done uh, this time, Anders? It's it's mostly a big thing for me. Uh, probably nobody else. But I think I mentioned on this show that I was writing a book chapter. And it's a book with the title Beyond Space Time. And it's a collection of essays on certain topics related to science, sci-fi, science fiction, fantasy, and the real world. And it's about putting science fiction and fantasy movies, books, the whole genre into a different perspective from a scientific point of view, from a social sciences point of view. So interesting ideas there. And my thing that I wrote about was how important science is and how much embedded science is in the world of Star Trek and how it could be used as an example for humanity to survive the the present and the future with all these challenges. Mm. So... Yeah, I was really excited to get the request to do that. When I was approached, I couldn't believe my ears, and uh, I was really happy about that. Then came the, well, the shitload of work that I had to put into it, and... uh, But I enjoyed every moment of the research and and everything that I wrote up. I'm not a particularly good writer. That's the only worry that I have about it. Problem. (laughs) So yeah, I'm more of a a talking kind of guy, especially Mm. when it comes to Hungarian. I cannot stop talking. But But uh, but to interrupt you there to make you stop talking, just to point out, this is only in Hungarian. At least, unfortunately, it's only in Hungarian. However, I just got accepted. My talk got accepted for Skeptic Amp in nice. Manchester right before QED on a Friday before QED. So I will be speaking of the very same topic in English as well. In English, I was just wondering <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to do this in also in Hungarian. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. Uh, and and Skeptic Camp, uh, as we talked about Skeptic Camp before, it's a uh, very short talks. It's like ten minutes, and yeah. then but there's a number of them, like almost twenty, I think, over the afternoon. Maybe they start already at eleven. I don't know. I'm going to give a talk as well 
about mm-hmm. the the Swedish experiment, quote unquote, which oh, okay. is about which is about the COVID response by the oh, Swedish yeah. authorities. It was different, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of myths and misconceptions of what actually happened. And now, when we look at it a couple of years later, can we see was it a total failure? Was it bad? Was it good? Was or was it something in between? Mm-hmm. So definitely not what it was made out to be in the public. <laughs> in the public, especially eye. in especially in international media, it was hugely misrepresented. Yeah, it was. I, I couldn't yeah. recognize a lot of the things that was written <laughs> about Sweden and said, "What? What do they think?" But <laughs> oh. it was special. It was different. But you have to come to Manchester to listen to that, or Australia, because I will talk a lo- have a longer talk in Australia on the same topic. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear that too. So um, just to close off my bragging about the book, it's <laughs> available for pre-order mm. at the moment and it will be out on the 10th of October for those who do read Hungarian. And yeah, if uh, someone is interested in me talking about that or writing about that in English, I'm more than happy to accept any kind of offer. So <laughs> wink, wink. Awesome. Good. Okay, so um, shall we do the show? Well, I think that's a good idea to do that. So that we have something to offer our (laughs) listeners while we are having a lot of fun in Vienna. Okay. As usual, the show starts with This Week in Skeptical History, also known as Twish. On the day that we are celebrating, we will still be in Vienna, which is the 11th of September. And that day marks the 200th anniversary of a very important step by the College of Cardinals in the Vatican when they finally accepted heliocentrism. So what are we talking about? You probably know about the Galileo trial and that the Inquisition made him retract his teachings about heliocentrism. That was already around for more than 100 years beforehand because it was introduced on a wider scale by Nicolaus Copernicus. Not not to stop you, but maybe we'd say heliocentrism is about the sun being in the middle of the... Exactly. Solar system. We call it the solar system now, even. Yeah, but back then it was it was about the sun being the center of the world. Yeah. Uh, so right. then back then it was not known that there is anything outside of the solar system. But anyhow, it was banned. So right around the time of Galileo in 1616, there was a ban put on the heliocentric teachings of Copernicus's knowledge. That was a very serious thing, and up until 1822, that ban wasn't lifted. And then the College of Cardinals issued a statement on the 11th of September 1822 that and I quote, the printing and publication of works treating of the motion of the earth and the stability of the sun in accordance with the opinion of modern astronomers is permitted at Rome. Oh, that's very nice of them. It's permitted. <laughs> yeah. not, not encouraged, though. It's just permitted. <laughs> it's permitted. But imagine that it took another 170-some years for the church to state that Actually, Galileo was right, (laughs) and we were wrong for dismissing his teachings and for dragging him through that process of the Inquisition and putting him into house arrest till the end of his life. Because in 1992, 
October 31st, 1992 was when John Paul II announced that, uh, yeah, Galileo was basically right. <laughs> but uh, a very important milestone in that was when, on the 11th of September, 1822, the College of Cardinals issued a very important statement. Mm. The Carnival of Cardinals, right? <laughs> <laughs> Carnival of Cardinals. It's like a cr- of oh, yeah. and a Carnival of Cardinals. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. We started with the Vatican. Why don't we follow with the Vatican? And I'm really interested to hear what Pontus has to poke the Pope for. Yes. Well, there was a big sensation this weekend because... Pope Francis wore the funny hat. Which one? The usual one? that The old trope is that does the Pope have a funny hat? But we can't say that a lot about Francis because he he doesn't use it. But he did this weekend because it was a very special occasion. (laughs) He didn't have the... You call that a succhetto? Like a kippa? It was almost a very, very small thing. It's called the succhetto. But this time he wore the whole thing. And if that's a very rare picture because he doesn't usually wear that hat. But anyway, that's not the important thing. What he did was a little bit more important. He beatified John Paul I. You, you mentioned John Paul II just now. But yes. John Paul I was beatified. And beatified is almost the step where you become a saint, declared a saint. So the next step is to become a saint. <laughs> Now, John Paul I was only the Pope for 33 days. Very uh, shocking because on the 33rd day of the new Pope's life, or sorry, the new Pope's <laughs> regime, or what do you call it, the reign? You don't reign as a Pope. But anyway, he was the Pope for 33 days and he was found dead in his room by, quote unquote, a nun or two. That's also a little bit suspicious. There have been uh, conflicting reports about what actually happened. I don't think there was anything uh, strange about it. He was 65 years old, very young uh, for a pope. Not old enough that you expect him to die suddenly. But I think the character of the pope in the third part of the Godfather movie was based on him to some uh-huh, extent. Uh-huh. Mm. So you think it was a mafia hit then? then <laughs> yeah, I think it was a, like a hint to that, but <laughs> obviously it's not proven. But it's an interesting thing that Francis Ford Coppola came yeah, up yeah, with, okay. I think. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. But anyway, the, the, what is true is that it led to much speculation. And I think a couple or more than a couple of works of fiction, maybe including The Godfather then, novels I'm thinking of that had that spin that it was a big mystery and maybe that was something nefarious afoot. John Paul I was also, well, he was known as the Smiling Pope. And I guess he was a little bit progressive. I I don't know exactly his position there, but he did do a few things. He abandoned the coronation of a pope. Because before him, there was a big coronation, like you were becoming the emperor or something. He had a more humble inauguration instead, and all popes since have had that. He was the last pope, though, to get carried around in a chair called the Sedia Gestatoria. So you had a couple of cardinals carry the new pope around a bit during the inauguration in a sort of procession. So he was the last one to do that. 
it's a gestational seat. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> you know, I don't it's know. It's very interesting. There is so many <laughs> strange rituals and myths around popes. It's the Catholic uh, Church, don't ask. <laughs> yeah, there is another chair that there was used before that, which had a hole in the bottom. Like, <laughs> like a toilet. Like a toilet, like a toilet, yeah. And there's a lot of myths Maybe about that. Maybe it's a birth stool. This is not the same thing. It was called something else. <laughs> Another time I will tell you about that. It was, it's a hilarious <laughs> story, but it's, uh, I don't know, very strange. Now, back to John Paul. To be beatified, as I said, is almost being declared a saint, but they're not there just yet with him. There are rules for these things, even if you are a pope. So to be beatified, there needs to be at least one miracle that they can attach to you. And that's have to be done after you're dead. There has to be an investigation. But unfortunately for John Paul I, the first miracle that they investigated didn't count because that was based on the testimony of a Giuseppe de Nora di Altamura. <laughs> Gesundheit. It's fantastic name, Only the name is miraculous. And he claimed that he had been cured of cancer by praying to the late Pope. So they had a big investigation and unfortunately they had to conclude that, nah, it wasn't a miracle. Nothing to it see here. It was chemo. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know what it was, but but it wasn't the late Pope. The Pope had nothing to do with it. Damn. Mm-hmm. We're back at square one and had to do something else because I I really think they want to make him a saint eventually. So fortunately, they found a nun in uh, Buenos Aires <laughs> who claimed a miraculous healing event. And uh, after a very thorough investigation, it was decided not that long ago, 2019, they decided there was no possible scientific or medical explanation to her recovery. So here we go. It is an approved <laughs> miracle. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go by the rules, they now have to come up with a second miracle as well before they make him an actual saint. So beatified is one step, but you have to go the last few hundred meters or whatever <laughs> it is <laughs> to make him a real saint. And then they need a second miracle. However, very conveniently, when it comes to popes, the sitting pope, and we know who that is, he can waive that requirement. So we should now expect John Paul I to become a real saint, not too far in the future. I think he wants to do it before he himself <laughs> falls off the throne. So uh, he wants to do that. He's been uh, pretty busy making sure that uh, all the people that he admire becomes uh, saints. It's just so funny that the system keeps itself alive anyways. Yeah, you're the Pope, and then you just say, like, all your predecessors are holy, and then you know that someone will do that, the same thing for you. <laughs> you yeah, yeah, that's right. It is a very arbitrary system, <laughs> especially if we, as skeptics, we don't really believe in miracles. They just have to come up with the most funny excuses to say no, that has to be a miracle and then they do it <laughs> but it's it's right i mean the last four or five popes if we include uh, john paul the first now have become saints but not all of them are saints i think back in the day the early popes they are all saints then during the middle ages we have actual proof that some of them weren't very saintly at all <laughs> So, so they are not uh, saints. So, but a lot of them are saints. But it's not given. It's not a rule that all popes become saints. But the last half a dozen of them have at least. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think the moment that uh, the popes or the bishops of Rome, because back then when it, it first happened, they were not called a pope. But the moment they got worldly power and possessions, mm. they got corrupted. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was the moment. What's really funny to me about saints is that one of the first teachings or requirements of the Ten Commandments is not to worship idols. So false gods before me. So idol worshipping is basically prohibited, but what is it if not idol worshipping? (laughs) Actually, a lot of these miracles, they are based on the fact that you prayed to a specific person and the miracle happened. So that proves that that person becomes a saint. And um, yeah... That's mm-hmm. worshipping in my book. I had a but. teacher at uni. He said he thinks that Catholicism is the way from polytheism to monotheism because they couldn't do the like the leap yet, so to say. That's why they're worshipping everyone else. Yeah, I don't think they're very close even. I think. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. Well. Enough about the Pope this week, I think. Let's Sufficiently uh, poked. move on. Yeah properly poked by Pontus promptly and properly (laughs) never mind thank you very much Pontus for poking the Pope once again thanks and that brings us to finding out what's been going on across Europe yeah and in Germany there's a new book out called Science Matters okay it does very good title I like it already it's called like that like it is in English the title is in English the book itself is in German how is it that it's not the first German book published with an English title why is that (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I wonder why I think because English is trendy it is indeed we name all our books uh, with English titles it's a bit ah so you didn't actually translate the title it is called Science Matters it is called Science Matters (laughs) okay okay good 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 and the publisher names the book a flaming plea against querdenker like against this weird thinking and conspiracy theories and it was written by Tilman Betsch who is a professor of social organizational and business psychology uh, in Erfurt Mm -hmm. And he says, like, he describes a lot of different things in the book. For example, he's explaining the scientific toolkit to you, so to say. In each chapter, they he takes a common prejudice and puts it against science and explains to you why the prejudice is not right. This book also explains why it is so important to use science and to have science. It's important because many criticize science without actually understanding the core of scientific thinking. So I'll be excited to read that and I'll let you know when it comes out in English. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's an important thing. Translating stuff into English is important, but probably the other way around as well. Mm, Oh, yes. Speaking of that, I have good news for you. Listeners may remember, or, or maybe they are familiar with it from other sources, a game called Cranky Uncle. Mm-hmm. We have interviewed John Cook, who is behind this game, on episode 210, if you want to look it up. So Cranky Uncle is a free game available on smartphones or on your web browser. In the Cranky Uncle game, Cranky Uncle is a cartoon character, and he mentors the player to learn the techniques of science denial. So, well, it's a little bit awkward to learn, but you do it because you are supposed to recognize it later on. The player's aim is to become a quote-unquote cranky uncle, 
which is a science denier, uh, by applying a variety of logically flawed argumentation techniques to reject scientific conclusions. So I, I quote from the website the description here. By adopting the mindset of a cranky uncle, the player develops a deeper understanding of science denial techniques, thus acquiring the knowledge to resist misleading persuasion attempts in the future, end quote. So it's it's a funny game, and as I said, we've talked to John Cook about it. I've tried it myself. Great to do in the classroom. It's great to give to your cranky uncle, if you have one, <laughs> to teach him <laughs> that he may be uh, a bit wrong in his uh, worldview. But the good news now, and speaking of translations, is that the game has been translated into two new languages. So apart from English, Dutch, and German, which was available before... The Cranky Uncle game is now, as of 20th of August, available also in Spanish and Portuguese. Wow. Yeah, so that's good news. More languages are already in the queue. And I can give you an inside scoop that isn't in the article that we're going to link to. Because it's sort of secret, but I, can, I think I can spill the beans. Swedish is coming! <laughs> Yay! Yeah, thanks to our special in charge of translation person, if, because oh, everybody should have one, <laughs> in uh, VOF, the Swedish skeptics. Uh, she is called Lotten Kalenius. She has been in charge of translating it to Swedish, and the testing is now ongoing, and the big launch will be at the Gothenburg International Book Fair at the booth of the Swedish skeptics. And the book fair opens on the 22nd of September, so very soon. I will be there, and uh, I will play the game in Swedish, and we will do a lot of other stuff as well at the Gothenburg book fair. I will probably come back and talk about more about this, because that's a big event. But the news this week is that the Cranky Uncle will make its debut in Swedish on the 22nd. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm? Okay, so uh, from Sweden, or a lot of countries where English is not necessarily spoken, so a translation is important, well, <laughs> let's go to the UK, where a lot well, of people... Well, you have to translate some of the parts of the country there, because you don't understand uh, what they Oh, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people don't seem to understand plain English occasionally. But um, there is one thing. The country is rid of Boris Johnson. Good riddance. Um, that is, <laughs> I think, a very important step towards normalcy. A leader <laughs> like Boris Johnson is out. But he got replaced by Liz Truss. I don't know if you've heard. She mm. has already been, as of the day of this recording, asked to form a government by Her Majesty the Queen. It's official, it's formal, it's already done. So, Liz Truss... She's a very interesting person. She has held a lot of different offices in uh, UK administrations. Among them was Parliamentary Undersecretary of State for Childcare and Education and Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, among many, many others. So one would think that she is probably knowledgeable enough about issues with the environment, with education, with science and all that. However, she doesn't seem to be very much on top of things when it comes to all that. And 
On top of that, she has announced that there would be big changes regarding budget, and wherever there is an opportunity to cut spending, she would do that. And a lot of people in the scientific community are afraid that the first thing that will go is science funding. And there have already been worries about how the EU-UK scientific collaborations will move on with uh, the Horizon program, the Horizon Europe uh, program that is supposed to be behind the funding of um, collaboratory science activities. So uh, when we say there is a new prime minister on the horizon for the UK, the horizon might not be... (laughs) Too bright, yeah. The best <laughs> omen to invoke here. Yes, we will have to see, but unfortunately, she has a couple of stances when it comes to environmental issues. For example, she has been very adamant on lifting the ban on fracking. For example, she's very eager to explore new opportunities for gas extraction. Those are really concerning signs, but but according to some of the political analysts, she is quite well known for uh, being a bit of a political chameleon. Those stances of hers might change in the future. So there is hope for that. But uh, we will just have to wait and see, unfortunately. We don't know as of now what her direction will mean. It's an important thing to mention, though, that she is only the third female prime minister of the UK in the history of the country. So, uh, very interesting. Right. But I I think I smell a future really wrong award to her at some point. It seems likely, even if we don't know exactly why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we we should probably not plan on that. We should probably instead hope for that not to happen. Because it's best for the UK. And all of us, actually. And no comparison in general about the list trust, but uh, another one that we are not so impressed of lately is Vladimir Putin. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, right. And as, as I said, no comparison. Um, but he has introduced another compulsory extracurricular activity in schools. It is a class called Important Conversations. So... What's wrong with that? Well, the teacher's guide for important conversations is very clear. And there is a lesson for 10-year-olds that poses this question. Quote, What Russian sayings show that working for a more prosperous and beautiful motherland is an expression of love? End quote. Ah, okay. And uh, the preferred answers are conveniently provided. A good answer would be... Do not spare your strength or your life for the motherland, end quote. Mm. Or, quote, the motherland's happiness is worth more than life itself, end quote. Or, there is nothing to fear in dying for the motherland. And the last one is, to serve the motherland is to love the motherland. So, this is what they teach 10-year-olds now in, in Russia. <laughs> You should die for your motherland. Yeah, is it like an early call to war? Or Obviously, it is. Sounds should, like it. There's Definitely nothing like wrong it. with dying for your motherland. 
So now, even if you're a child, even yeah, ten year old. So Fuck Putin it. is no stranger to call others Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying not to sink to his level here. But let's say you replace the word motherland with das Vaterland mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in those sentences. What does that remind you of? He begins with an A and ends with a Dolph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This is um, how indoctrination now is working its way through the Russian population from the age of 10 and upwards. Mm-hmm. We are in trouble. Uh, it, we... it is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something that is also outrageous, but not as outrageous, because that's pretty brainwashing children into soldiers is uh, basically peak outrageous and disturbing. It's but, criminal. Uh, it, yeah, it is. It is. But I want to talk about scam, so-called alternative medicine, mm-hmm. and a dispute regarding an, a medical service. The service is called Dr. Lieb. And it's it's a booking service where you can make medical appointments in France. You can also use it in Germany. I have made appointments with this booking service too already. And they are being accused of promoting scam medicine on their platform. Health professionals and patients have been criticizing the platform because it's also possible to make appointments with naturopath and other quacks there. Naturopathy is not recognized in France, and it's sometimes even called charlatanism. And the thing is that you can totally use Dr. Lib with that. You, you can debate about it and you can say, well, the platform is to put patients and health professionals in touch with each other. And by having someone promoting urine therapy on Dr. Lib, it gives them unjustified credit. Mm-hmm. That's not the best thing. But the other thing is that the CEO of Dr. Lip says that he's just responding to patients and what they want and that it's legal to offer urine therapy or other naturopathy in France. So he says, well, if there's a demand then we have no re- and it's legal, then there's no reason to prevent practitioners to be listed on our side. Wrong. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> They also say that 97% of their practitioners are registered with the Ministry of Health, but we know that that's maybe not a seal of approval and a seal of being a good medical practitioner. But be that as it may, we can just see in this example that there's a huge difference between uh, yeah, ethical and moral responsibilities and commercial interests. Hmm. Mm. But that, that's a common excuse. We, we're only it giving is. people what they want. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but they want it because they don't know better. You should tell exactly. them that is, this is bogus. You don't want this. It doesn't work. Yeah, because it gives them wrong credit. That's yeah, what it is. Of course. Well, and th- that is a field that is largely populated by uh, f- wellness, fitness and health gurus, right? And apparently more and more international celebrities go into that they dive deep into it. We all know what um, Gwyneth Paltrow has to offer to the world <laughs> with Goop. There are others as well, including Jessica Alba. Uh, but th- th- those are Americans. But unfortunately, now there is the, the same thing happening in uh, Europe. Kate Moss, does that name sound familiar to you? Yes. 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 <laughs> she Modern? was... Sh- 
a model, yeah, she was a supermodel in the 1990s, um, and she's British, and, uh, well, for a while, she was mostly famous for, or infamous, for uh, her parking style, which was, uh, well, very out of control, <laughs> and uh, she was, was doing doing drugs, there was a cocaine scandal in 2005, I think the charges were dropped, but still, that was a lot of things attached to her name. Now... Because of that, she gone through a large spiritual journey of some sort and came out at the end with the big idea of oh. <laughs> going into the business of building a wellness brand. Classic. And yeah, classic. So based on her name, Moss, it's called Cosmos. Oh. <laughs> Isn't oh, that? With two S's? Cosmos. Exactly. Or actually exactly. three. Exactly. Yeah. So there are only <laughs> six products featured in the product line. One of them is a vegan skincare and mood boosting tea. Oh. Mood boosting. Mood boosting tea. And, is it mood tea? Um, mood tea. <laughs> 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 and there is all kinds of magic mentioned about all that. And according to some sources, she worked with Victoria Young, who's a British homeopath and so-called spiritual guide to develop the product. And those products are very pricey as well. So the Sacred Mist, which is uh, some kind of a, a, a so-called dusk tea, costs about £120 pounds per 100 milliliter so that's quite pricey as well sorry for how many milliliters about 100 milliliters it's like a small oh. bottle that costs 120 oh. 20 pounds that must so. be a good profit there <laughs> yeah exactly we are looking into a couple of things that will be about making health related claims as well all, all kinds of nonsense and the greatest nonsense is and you can get a feel of the initiation of this product line with the quote over the last few years i have been on my own private journey of wellness and self-discovery to find inner harmony balance and love as i write i feel my most authentic self and i'm ready to open up and share with you so generous but it costs 120 fucking pounds so <laughs> and she's already been making a shitload of money so in 2012 she came second on the Forbes top earning models list and the estimated earnings in one year back then were 2.9 million dollars mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be enough for her so now she yeah. needs this product line to help people so to speak yeah we'll see about that and we'll definitely keep an eye out on that product line and see how weird the claims will be in order to market that and to do some marketing shit we'll see well, I don't have high hopes. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. All right. But that concludes our news segment. So all that's left for us to do is find out who's been really wrong lately. Yeah, I want to talk about a teacher. I just have to say, like, I pretty much facepalmed the whole time reading it about him. This guy got arrested for breaching a court order. The order barred him from being present at his school, like where he teaches. He's not allowed to teach there anymore because he refuses to address a transitioning student as they rather than he, ah. a transgender student. And he didn't want to do that, was suspended from school, refused to stay away, came back again and again and again. They pretty much called the authorities because 
<laughs> they were like, hey guys, this guy's turning up despite us suspending him. Uh, that is very creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is. Then he went to court with that. They forbade him again going there. He came back mm-hmm. to the school again. And now he's wow. actually jailed because he didn't listen to the court. He's very adamant on teaching. Yeah. Devoted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's insane if you think about it. Everyone just really said, hey, please just stay away from school. We don't really want to jail you for not like for just not going to school. <laughs> but he doesn't listen. He's just turning up again and again and again. And you guessed it. He is, of course, very religious. Mm-hmm. And he, this is like he chooses this as the hill to die on, and says like, no, that's I, I'm not permitted by my faith to not go to school, and um, I'm not permitted by my faith to call the student by the pronouns. So yeah, he's actually been incarcerated, <laughs> and he will remain incarcerated until he agrees to comply with the injunction that the school secured. So for being an absolute transphobic teacher an absolutely bad example of empathy and kindness and for hiding his douchebagness behind his evangelical (laughs) christian faith the teacher enoch burke is receiving this week's prize for being really wrong wow so and this was where in ireland in ireland Ireland. okay yeah yeah, yes And thank you for sending that in, Michael, because that's probably something I wouldn't have picked up, despite me loving Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sending that in. We're always happy to receive emails from you and from all of our other listeners. And we'll be happy to see Michael at QED. We'll be happy to see everyone else who comes at QED and yeah. at ESC. <laughs> Except maybe Enoch Burke, but he's in yes, jail, please so don't he won't come to, Yeah, please don't come to QED yeah, yeah. or ESC, Enoch. <laughs> Stay in jail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for that, Annika. And thank you very thank much, you. Michael and everyone. So before we go, uh, do you have a quote as well for us? Yes, I do have a quote. It's by Alexander Graham Bell, British inventor. And the quote is, educate the masses, elevate their standard of intelligence, and you will certainly have a successful nation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was said more than 100 years ago. Uh, so, British inventor, wasn't he an American? He was uh, eventually, yes. Eventually. But, uh, not, not only. Uh. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't be mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. I also don't want to leave it unsaid that Alexander Graham Bell was eugenics perpetrator. <laughs> I know this quote can go in that direction. And I just want to say, in this podcast, we don't support eugenics. So um, we just <laughs> want to educate... It's a bad podcast if you have to point exactly, that out. Exactly. Yeah, but- <laughs> no, but we, I want to educate the masses... But if someone can't learn, then they're still a valued and worthy person. That's that's just what I want to say. Exactly. And please don't dismantle any uh, statues or memorials to him because of that. You have to evaluate his work and his personality in a historical context as well. So he was born in the middle of the 19th century in Scotland. Eugenics was considered by many as a progressive thing. Yes. It looked like something that was based on science. Now we know that it wasn't, 
But still, you have to understand the historical context as well. That doesn't apologize or legitimate it, but it makes it more understandable. Yeah. Charles Darwin was very much into homeopathy, so... (laughs) Maybe for Christmas (laughs) or for New Year's, we do something like what our heroes do wrong or did wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And let's just fuck cancel culture. That's (laughs) basic idea. And with that, I would like to thank both of you, Onika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Many, many thanks to your listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis lat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Oh, sorry, shit, helvet, that's fun. I forgot, I, I mixed up the stories. I have to do it again. Okay. Ah, <laughs> damn it. From the beginning? I started from scratch? N- no, no, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go back a bit and I hope I can get it right. Okay. <laughs> Extra Excuse curricular. Me. Time out. Time out. Yeah. I oh, wrong subject. I reshuffled the subject so that blah, I tried. Blah, 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 blah. I tried to provide you with a segue, actually. <laughs> actually, I thought I did well, but okay, no, okay, fine. Sorry, I, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't moved it in my script. Okay. Be at the Gothenburg. Gothenburg. <laughs> Gothenburg. That's better. That's better, actually. Gothenburg. <laughs> Is the same as a uh, Göteborg? Yes. Just <laughs> but Gothenburg is yet to be found on any map. <laughs> <laughs> Gothenburg. It's it's probably somewhere in the UK. Somewhere in no, Scotland. It's in Scotland, I think. Make appointments with practitioners that are naturopaths or the- Luna. <laughs> she wants oh. to make an appointment. That, that, <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. And she's actually okay. climbing the window. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, s- should be stopped. Uh, that, that, well, if she climbs out the balcony, I would be very worried now. <laughs> she was actually climbing up there. Yeah. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs>